right, so today we're going to talk about uh, the defense against infectious diseases, but we're going to combine both uh, like a biology classes uh, perspective on it and a chemistry classes. Yeah, more specifically, this is the, uh, the what is it, the optional choice, and uh, this will fall into the category of drugs and medicine. Yeah, for us, um, this is just, yeah. Again, the section 6.3, Defense Against Infectious Diseases, and uh, overall in the human uh, phys- <laughs> physiology. Physiology. Physi- That's what I said, right? Yes. Physiology. Okay. Good job. <clears throat> Crushing it already. Guys, I swear I'm good in biology. <laughs> okay. So, start off. For each of the biology sections, they're going to test you on a certain, I guess, uh, set of things. And uh, usually uh, the questions are on understandings for each topic. And so the understandings for this topic are uh, the skin and mucous membranes form a primary defense against pathogens that cause infectious diseases. Cuts in the skin are sealed by blood clotting. Clotting factors are released from platelets and the cascade results in the rapid conversion of fibrinogen to fibrin by thrombin. Ingestion of pathogens by (laughs) phagocytic white blood cells gives nonspecific immunity to diseases. Production of antibodies by lymphocytes in response to particular antigens gives specific immunity. Antibodies block processes that occur in prokaryotic cells but not in eukaryotic cells. And viruses lack a metabolism and cannot therefore be treated with antibiotics. Um, some strains of bacteria have evolved with genes that confer resistance to antibiotics, and some strains of bacteria have multiple resistance. So, going from that, <laughs> we're going to just jump right into basically the basics, uh, kind of like a condensed version of yeah. the body's defense against disease. Um, to start off, we're going to be using some vocabulary. So, <laughs> fun! <laughs> I have a vocabulary list. <laughs> um uh, so first off, we've got antigen, which is uh, basically any kind of molecule, uh, such as a protein or carbohydrate, that can be recognized uh, by the immune system as not self, um, or trigger the immune system's reaction. Um, antibodies are protein molecules that are produced by lymphocytes in response to a specific antigen. Um, and then you've got erythrocytes, um, which are red blood cells. Just a fancy word for that. Um, And then you got the immune response, uh, which is when a pathogen enters the body and a series of events begin. Um, And then you've got leukocytes, which are white blood cells. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Easy way to remember that is like uh, leukemia, because that has to deal with um, Mm -hmm. white blood cells that are wonky um (laughs) basically um oh you've got macrophage which is a really important um uh, type of leukocyte um and then you've got platelets which are cell fragments uh circulating in the bloodstream Mm -hmm. um they form in bone marrow um but do not remain as entire cells Hmm. um fun fact they don't have a nucleus and they have a relatively short lifespan so very interesting. Uh, and then pathogens, which are <laughs> basically any living organism or virus that is capable of causing a disease. So, <laughs> starting off, you've got your primary defense, right? Uh-huh. So, 
<laughs> I like to use the acronym SAM because that's easy to remember for me. So the A stands for avoid, which is like when people quarantine, mm -hmm. uh, basically just avoiding the source of infection. And then you've got skin. And so your skin is really, really cool, right? Because it's got these two layers. So it's got the dermis, which is uh, basically underneath the top layer, which is epidermis. Mm -hmm. And the dermis has basically the living tissue, right? It's got your, you know, all the good stuff that makes your skin grow, like yeah. <laughs> hair follicles and stuff like that. Um, and then your epidermis is basically when the dermis starts growing, the cells, you know, multiply it. But there's also those dead cells which get pushed up to the top. So your epidermis is basically just a dead layer of skin. Oh. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really effective because um, pathogens usually can't enter living tissue, or they have to enter living tissue, sorry. And mm -hmm. so the epidermis uh, protects uh, your body from pathogens entering, basically. Okay. Yeah. So I actually have a question about that. Yes. If you exfoliate, like, a lot <laughs> and remove all of your epidermis, would you all of a sudden be, like, super susceptible to pathogens? Um, so if you exfoliate <laughs> to the point of removing your epidermis, you're mm -hmm. actually removing the top layer of your skin, uh -huh. which would uh, be basically, like, when you have an abrasion. Oh. Or, uh, uh, I don't know, like a rug burn, pretty much. Oh, Which is okay. really painful. And yeah. And that's exposing your uh, body. Mm -hmm. So, that's when you get to a really interesting part. Okay. Which we'll talk about later on, but um, it's a good point. I don't think you can exfoliate <laughs> your skin off, though. That would be some hardcore exfoliation. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wouldn't want that on your face. It can irritate, though. Mm -hmm. um, so, I would... Um, well, we can talk about it later on, but I think... Uh, if uh, the rough, um, I guess, use of, like, minerals against your yeah. skin can cause uh, cells underneath to maybe burst or to break mm -hmm. if you're that rough. And that's why it kind of, like, hurts because you, know, oh. you get some swelling or yeah. your blood just kind of goes to that area to fix it, which we'll talk about later again. Okay. <laughs> um, and then you've got uh, the other part of your uh, primary defense uh, against pathogens, which is mucus. Which is really gross sounding, but it's really cool because um, obviously you don't have, you know, skin everywhere in your body. That would be terrifying. <laughs> that would be so gross. Some places like your, uh, you know, your eyes, your trachea, your um, <laughs> genitalia. Yes. <laughs> you have to talk about that. Um, your nasal passages as well. You have um, cells in your, uh, basically like lining it, mm -hmm. um, which produce uh, mucus. And that stops, that catches pathogens usually. And then in some places like your nose or uh, your respiratory tract, yeah. um, you have cilia, which work with uh, that basically. And they take um, the pathogens caught in the mucus and they move it up and out of you. Oh, yeah. interesting. And so um, one of the symptoms or signs that your body's doing this is like when you cough, you're mm -hmm. like coughing the pathogens out through your mucus. Oh, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, and it's also, um, you know, when your body, if you're sick and you get like like phlegm or snot or whatever, and it's kind of like that different color. Yeah. It's because your body's just like collecting all of that gross stuff and shoving it out of your oh. body. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so that's really important. Yeah. But um, again, kind of going back to <laughs> what happens if your uh, epidermis mm -hmm. is... Um, basically broken and your dermis is exposed 
<laughs> that sounds really gross for some reason. Your dermis is exposed. But um, basically, your body is like, whoop, 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 right? And so your broken <laughs> cells start sending out a chemical yeah. that is like, hey, we, we got some broken cells over here. We need help, stat. And so um, these chemicals alert platelets, which we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. are just floating around in your bloodstream. And so they start boost into that point where uh, your damaged cells are calling for help Mm -hmm. and at the same time your platelets are also releasing chemicals Mm. and so these two chemicals that are being released really important because they convert prothrombin which is a uh, plasma protein that's also hanging out in your bloodstream to be like okay there's uh, damage in the cell it's going to turn into um uh, thrombrin, it's going to convert into thrombrin, which is an enzyme, which basically catalyzes another plasma protein that's hanging out oh. in your bloodstream called fibrinogen. And fibrinogen is really cool because it's just like hanging out, just like chilling. But when it gets that enzyme, it catalyzes into fibrin, which is uh, insoluble. Oh. And therefore, it kind of like comes together right into this kind of net or mesh-like yeah. uh, substance, and it goes to the site of, uh, or like the open site, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it goes there, and it kind of forms like a net where all the platelets and other debris in the body gets caught there, and that's how you form a blood clot. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And it's super cool, because that's how it, then once you get that blood clot, right, and it'll harden up, and it'll protect your body from pathogens entering, because mm-hmm. it's like, starts getting like that dead yeah. you know, cells up top. So... That's really cool. <laughs> I just love that whole process. Yeah. Um, and what, I feel like there was another question about that earlier. Oh, yeah. So this process, <laughs> basically, um, if, if pathogens manage to get in through your body yeah. or into your body through a cut or whatever before your body can fight it off or it gets past your mucous membrane you're going to have um, a primary response if your body's never dealt with that type of pathogen before. Mm-hmm. And primary responses are, you know, usually they take like a week or more to be successful to mm-hmm. finally get rid of it. Um, and this is what happens with vaccines, right? You're triggering a primary response, yeah. um, which is why you actually have to wait um, around like two weeks for some of them to, yeah. uh, for, the, for, for the first dose and you have to wait two weeks to get the second one. Mm-hmm. So, cause you want the whole process of your immune system to kick into action. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty common to experience and, um, you get like the symptoms associated yeah. with disease. Um, and then you've got the secondary responses, which is when your body is like, Oh, we've, we fought this guy before, you know, yeah. <laughs> we can do this. And it's usually much quicker mm-hmm. and you usually don't have symptoms cause your body's just like on it, you know? Um, and so in this, um, you, you got kind of like the most important guys, which are your white blood cells mm-hmm. <laughs> or the leukocytes. Yes. Um, and kind of like the primary, uh, leukocyte to, to come to the, the battlefield, um, is uh, macrophage. And these guys are like massive leukocytes okay. <laughs> out of all the blood cells. They're probably the biggest, uh, or white blood cells, sorry, mm-hmm. not all blood cells. Um, and they're really cool because they <laughs> hang out kind of close to the surface, yeah. basically where you would most likely encounter a pathogen. Mm-hmm. And if they uh, come up to something and they're like, hmm, this is not self, right? They have a not self and a self yeah. identification. They're like, this is not self. 
and then they eat it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they just, they, by a process of phagocytosis, yeah. they just envelop the entire thing. And so then it's inside of it, and then there's enzymes inside the macrophage, and it just destroys it. Oh my gosh. So cool, wow. right? Yeah. yeah. It just like, it's so badass. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they, they're, these guys are able to change their cellular shape because yeah. of that, right? Um, and then you, this is called non-specific immunity, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not really like, oh, this is, you know, E. coli or something. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to destroy it this way. It's just like, oh, you are not supposed to be here. I'm going to eat you. <laughs> right. Um, and so they do this, um, because, uh, so viruses, by right, <laughs> they have a capsid coating right mm-hmm. and so that's when the antigens are going to be outside basically oh. and um antigens uh are different from like the body's mm-hmm. proteins or whatever and so you're it's it's how it's able to differentiate yeah and uh bacteria since they have a cellular membrane <clears throat> sorry <laughs> they're they have proteins embedded in the cellular membrane mm-hmm. that are not self right yeah um and then uh so <laughs> that's how that will alert happens um and okay yeah also very important (laughs) macrophages with their ability to change their cellular membrane in order to eat stuff Mm -hmm. they also can um squeeze their way in and out of uh small blood vessels which is how they're able to like get to the points of infection really easily Mm -hmm. yeah very cool (laughs) um so then you got your plasma proteins and blood types, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, plasma proteins are really cool because leukocytes can re- recognize the certain proteins, like I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. Um, and uh, this is really cool because um, just kind of like a fun fact kind of on top of this, but uh, blood cells have these proteins as well. Oh. And so when uh, so that's actually how we determine blood types. So you've got the A protein, the B protein, um, and then you also have a, a Rh protein, which mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really interesting because um, for that it's called a rhesus blood type, and you either have it or you don't. Um, but uh, in the kind of like the ABO category, yeah. so O is you don't have either of those. AB you have uh, both proteins, mm-hmm. which is why when you get a blood transfusion, your body can only recognize like what is yours. Okay. Right, and yeah. so AB can be given. Uh, it can, yeah, it can be given or receive. Yeah. AB can receive from anyone because mm-hmm. it has A and B proteins. Yeah. O can only receive O because it yeah. doesn't have any of those proteins. And so mm-hmm. if you give someone uh, a blood type that is not theirs in a large quantity, your body will actually start to attack the blood cells. And it'll, <laughs> it's kind of like it's like poking a balloon really fast and then it just explodes oh my gosh yeah. and which is why people can feel really sick if they get yeah. the wrong blood type yeah. and just die basically because oh. their body's just like oh, wow. not self yeah um anyways so when you're fighting off a of, uh, bacteria um or a pathogen sorry mm-hmm. um you, your macrophage comes in and it's like all right we're gonna get you right but sometimes they're they're kind of a slow process because mm-hmm. they have to eat the whole thing right yeah um, and so sometimes they get overwhelmed and then they call in these cells that are like kill cells, basically. Yeah. They're just super, just like ah, filled with rage mm-hmm. and they go out, they're, um, they're very small. They'll go out and they'll just start attacking everything mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll, they're really good at killing. So they'll just like start killing, um, 
the uh, the bacteria, but also start attacking the body cells too, mm-hmm. which is why you sometimes get like ooh, gross feeling, right? Yeah. Um, and so to aid kind of in the immune process speeding up, your macrophages will be like, all right, we need some more blood mm-hmm. flow, which is why, <laughs> again, when you get a cut, um, it'll swell because yeah. uh, the, there's more blood flow to that area in order to fight off the infection. Oh, yeah, and interesting. It's uh, yeah, and another symptom like fever or yeah. the area gets heated is because heat will slow down a pathogen and make oh. it easier to fight. Yeah, <laughs> really cool. Um, but so basically, if uh, your kill cells and your uh, macrophages aren't aren't enough, right? It'll yeah. be like beep beep beep. <laughs> we need assistance, boss, right? Yeah. And so the kind of like the the head of the immune system will come in, and uh, those guys are called dendritic cells, oh. and they basically <laughs> cool. They're like all right. Um, they just start like collecting like the dead bits of bacteria in the yeah. area or the pathogens, sorry, mm-hmm. pathogens in the area. And then they display them on the outside and then they have to decide, is this a virus or is it a bacteria? Mm-hmm. Right. And they'll make the decision. And then, um, they have these little T cells <laughs> that uh-huh. will come up and they'll be like, you, this is a bacteria problem. <laughs> and so the like, all right. So then they go and they go into your body, right? And you've got these B cells that are just chilling out. They're uh, kind of like resting. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not activated yet. But then your, your T cell will, um, once it gets that information, it'll start splitting, right? Yeah. And it'll form either um, a helper T or a memory T. Okay. And so your memory T is basically, it's just going to stay in your body after that. It's going to be like, okay, I'm going to remember that there was this one time when this pathogen was in my body and I had to go and get help. (laughs) And then the other guys are going to go get help. And so they go to the B cells. These B cells are just chilling out. And then your helper T cells, they like zap them and they're like, all right, this is what's happening. This is the type of antigen that we're facing. Mm -hmm. And, um, your B cells, um, they will split also because, um, you know, each, uh, when they split, you're going to have a memory B cell, which will be able to remember again, what type of pathogen it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, or antigen, and then you've got your helper B cells and these guys, um, are like plasma cells. And so they, um, it's really interesting because they can only produce one type of antibody, they're very oh. specific. They yeah. can't just like produce like different types. And so, um, you know, one, you know, one cell producing a certain type isn't going to mm-hmm. do a lot, right? Yeah. Antibodies like, yeah, you need a lot of them. And so it's going to start like dividing, divide, 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 right? So yeah. until you have a ton of them to form, to start producing that antibody, a ton, just mm-hmm. like <laughs> antibodies go. Um, and so let's see, let's skip down there. Yeah. So basically bodies just going to go. Send out all those antibodies. You've got your helper T's, your helper B's, and um, this can kind of like cause your body to have that reaction because your whole body's just like going into it, you know. Mm-hmm. So you get like tired or um, you know that fever to yeah. kind of slow down the pathogens or the area gets swollen or stuff like that. Um, and so uh, uh, after that, after your body's just like destroyed it, right? Um, they are, uh, the macrophages and the, the kill cells and mm-hmm. certain other, like the helper cells, those guys don't have as long as a 
lifespan so they're just gonna die eventually which is good because you don't want them to keep attacking your body afterwards um and then the memory cells are what's left over so your memory t and memory b and those guys are going to stick around for a while Mm -hmm. um and should you encounter the same antigen again your body will just be on it and fix it basically um which is why you get vaccines yeah (laughs) Um, so kind of moving on to the vaccines um it's really cool because uh obviously they these are like dangerous um diseases that yeah affect people and like are very bad because they can mutate and do all that Mm -hmm. stuff so you don't want to actually put the actual virus or bacteria in there you don't want to put something living and so for uh instance like covid yeah um they will take an mri mrna strand Mm -hmm. and they'll put it um they have different ways of getting in your body but sometimes they'll put it in like a dead uh like virus basically or bacteria and um they'll like put that in you Mm -hmm. and then you know it's dead so it's it's not going to be eating your cells or multiplying your body will read that it'll be like oh okay like it'll copy it out yeah real quickly um and then it will destroy it (laughs) okay and so it's no longer in your body but you do have those memory b cells that Mm -hmm. are like okay i know how to fight this should it ever come into my system again yeah and it's really important to note because it's a it's a really big misconception um uh it doesn't go you know it's not gonna reach your dna yeah ever (laughs) because your dna (laughs) isn't a nucleus and it's a way right and it so it can never reach your DNA, and it can never change your DNA yeah. by introducing uh, a bacteria via vaccine. Yeah. Um, and so it's really just that protein mm-hmm. that your body is, like, recognizing. So, And um, when you have kind of, like, a symptoms, it, it varies for different people just because of yeah. the immune system. But you have different symptoms. Um, that's really just your body, like... You know, the macrophages are like, beep, 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 we need people, you know, and the, the whole system is going into effect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. All right. Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about the biological yeah. uh, approach to antibiotics specifically? Yeah. So, antibiotics um, to combat bacterial infections mm-hmm. is different from, uh, like, viruses, yeah. basically, because um, antibiotics are chemicals that take advantages of the differences between um prokaryotic cells and eukaryotic cells Mm -hmm. um, and selectively block some of the biochemistry that's needed Mm -hmm. uh, by bacteria um, while having no effect on the human or like animal cells Um, uh, which is why antibiotics have (laughs) no effect on viruses because they're built different you know (laughs) yes they do be built different Um, and then sometimes um, bacteria because there's so much variation in bacteria right and they they have this ability where they can multiply really really fast Mm -hmm. so if you give them um antibiotic yeah um sometimes there'll be a strain that is resistant to that antibiotic Mm -hmm. and that'll be kind of like natural selection basically and so those guys will survive and they'll keep multiplying and that will become the new like population that's yeah like the biggest or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um yeah well, uh, I guess a connection between chemistry and biology is that in the drug section, as I said before, of chemistry, we also talk about antibiotics. And there's uh, a lot of emphasis on uh, penicillin specifically. Mm. So the, I guess the chemical formula for penicillin is RC9H11N2O4S. 
And uh, you might be thinking, R. I don't remember seeing an R on the <laughs> periodic table. That's kind of weird. But the, the R is actually just sort of a placeholder. Uh, this is essentially uh, a section of the molecule that scientists can alter in order to uh, prevent, what's the word? I guess immunity from the, the antibiotic. Uh, this was also, uh, what was it? It was used as a method of uh, changing the way penicillin is taken. Uh, before we, we really discovered that you could uh, pretty much add things to that R section, uh, penicillin was, I guess, injected intravenously, but now it can be taken by mouth because we were able to change the, I guess, how it is processed within your stomach, really which cool. is pretty interesting. But uh, I guess I should describe how penicillin works. So if you look at the molecule of penicillin, you'll notice that there is a kind of a strange shape that you don't see very often in chemistry, and that's a square. And I know it it is kind of interesting because it doesn't look like any sort of benzene ring or any sort of ring you've ever seen before. And that's because it is strange. It's, it's weird. Uh, the carbons that are all bonded together have very weak bonds. So that section of the molecule itself is very weak, but when it comes in contact with the enzyme that is used to build the cell wall of potential, uh, bacteria that goes into your body, that is harming you, uh, it can pretty much like separate itself from those 90 degree bond angles and connect to that enzyme. Hmm. And if you can actually look up electron microscope uh, videos of that happening, and it's, it's really interesting. As soon as the, the enzyme to build the cell wall is taken away from the, the particular bacteria, it explodes. Because so it's cool. because it's not an animal cell. It's not just surrounded by I don't know. I'm not a biology person, but like a sack or whatever. <laughs> it's got like a specific structure that it needs to follow. So when it doesn't have that structure anymore, it can pretty much attack it, and then it will be all kitty. I'm sorry, my cat. <laughs> it can pretty much attack it, and then it it will have no way to continue to harm the person that is uh, being <laughs> kitty. The person that is being, I guess, harmed by these bacterial infections. Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this, but that's called the beta-lactam ring. And that's kind of key, key like vocabulary that you would need to know if you were going to be doing the drugs option on the test. Uh, the, this, I guess, sort of beta-lactam ring. Uh, but I guess another big factor of antibiotics is the fact that we can gain immunity or the bacterial infections can gain immunity to the antibiotics. And, oh gosh, there's a specific type of enzyme. I think it's called the penicillinase enzyme. And that was, it was essentially developed by certain bacterial infections as a way to trick penicillin into thinking that that was the enzyme that builds cell walls. So the the bacteria will say, oh no, I'm being attacked (laughs) by penicillin. Here, you can take my enzyme. And it, it gives it this fake enzyme, but it still keeps its cell wall enzyme. And once the penicillin gains the enzyme that it needs to fight off the disease, it basically becomes obsolete. It doesn't do anything. So after this, uh, the cells have tricked it into doing this, then the cells have essentially just become immune to the particular penicillin. Uh, but I mean, there are certain ways that I think you need to know for the test that... Uh, penicillin has become obsolete that are human problems 
And that is, uh, one of them is that humans have prescribed too much penicillin. So uh, we oftentimes in the past, and probably even today in some countries, have prescribed penicillin for uh, uh, diseases that don't necessarily need antibiotics, like uh, viruses, for example. Some t- oftentimes doctors, if they have a sick child that ne- maybe can't speak, and they, they know that the child is sick, but they can't do any testing, they might just, just say, I'll prescribe penicillin, because it's a cheap and efficient way to, I, I guess, get rid of diseases without realizing that having the, those penicillin, uh, what is it, molecules within their body, it was essentially, I guess, festering the whole uh, antibiotic, uh, what is it, the whole antibiotic resistance, that's the word. <laughs> And then another thing is that we give patients take too little of penicillin. So if they if you're prescribed to take penicillin for 10 days straight and you're on your eighth day and you say, you know what, I think I'm fine. I don't want to take this penicillin anymore. You're not having enough uh, of the antibody, antibiotics, oh my goodness, in your body. So the cells that are, I guess, in close proximity to the to the penicillin and they're I I don't know if this is the right word but they're watching the penicillin and they're like hmm they might be able to in some strange chemical way uh, figure out how to resist the penicillin and then the third way is that we are giving every single animal that is factory farmed uh, antibiotics no matter if they're sick or not because antibiotics are a very good way to I guess increase the body mass of an animal which of course, you know, aids in selling the animal for meat. So when, I know it's kind of disgusting, but when I guess a ton of antibiotics are just constantly being fed to animals, the bacteria within their bodies is able to kind of shift and gain resistance to that. And if you don't cook your meat properly, or say for example, you're eating something like sushi where they don't cook the fish, you might be exposed to those, bacteria that are resistant to the antibiotics and then they might in fact go inside you and then you might gain resistance to the antibiotics in the future which is not very good and it can potentially grow into new infections and it develops into what we call a superbug and it's essentially just the idea that in a couple years when uh, antibiotics have completely stopped working we can't prescribe them anymore because the superbugs have essentially taken over our entire world and now we have a new <laughs> epidemic that we can't treat gosh but yeah it's kind of scary hopefully what i was saying <laughs> made sense but yeah it all it all comes down to the the beta lactam ring and what we're able to do with penicillin in order to make it continue to be effective mm. i don't know is the just to like recheck the beta lactam yeah. ring is the square yeah yeah it's okay. a square yeah if you look up a picture or if you maybe have the, the chemistry, what is it, the, the packet, it, I think it's in the drugs section, I think it's third, third, number 37 in the chemistry packet, you can really clearly see the square. And that's, I think that's how I'm going to remember penicillin for the rest of my life and the beta-lactam <laughs> ring. <laughs> uh, because, you know, when you look at the penicillin molecule, it's just so kind of out there. You've never really seen that before in chemistry, like the perfect square. So I don't know. Hopefully that resonates with you, dear listener, and you're able to remember the beta-lactam ring. That is really cool. Yeah. Are you looking up a picture of it now? 
Yeah. Yeah. Beta this lactam is ring. the beta lactam ring. Yeah. There's three carbons and a nitrogen, and then there's a double bonded oxygen coming off one of the carbons. Hmm. And it, it's just, I don't know. I find it really interesting. And it just breaks away from yeah the this part of it mm-hmm. the yeah cool and the r is just like the variable that yeah they can change too mm-hmm. yeah oh that's really cool because i actually one of my one of my friends is um allergic to penicillin yeah too. we haven't talked about that in class but i i have heard of a lot of my friends like i think one of my friend's dads is allergic to it but she's not allergic to it hmm. so interesting yeah I don't know if it's hereditary or not. I guess that's something that you could do further research on. Maybe you could do an IA on that. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you can... I don't know what you subject could, that would apply to, but... I feel like you could do it for uh, chemistry or yeah. biology, depending yeah. on how you looked at it. Like, if you're yeah. looking at, like, genetics passed on and yeah. resistance to penicillin and stuff like that. Or, I guess, allergies to penicillin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that would be a good option if you don't want to do research. I don't know if this applies for biology students, but in chemistry, sometimes there are things that students want to work with that we can't really get a hold of in the country because Mm -hmm. maybe they're illegal or maybe they're super dangerous and our school doesn't allow them. So I think one of the, the options you can choose to do for an IA is just doing a research IA where you put together a whole bunch of research and then produce a conclusion. Is that the same case in biology, do you know? Yeah, you can you can definitely do um, research-based IAs in yeah. biology. Um, you do have to be a little bit more <laughs> yeah, it's, aggressive it's a little with bit it because they, they do definitely. get marked down, typically. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if you have, like, I feel like some research-based ones, because, okay, so for IAs, you have to link, for at least for biology, you have to link, uh, like, why you're interested, how this applies to you yeah. personally. Um, oh yeah we do that in chemistry okay, as well good. i didn't want to make like an assumption but um yeah for research based eyes i feel like it's sometimes it can be difficult to link yeah. personal connection if you're like well this you know this article i read it's like well how why is that important to you so, yeah but i feel like with penicillin you could definitely link that because you could be like well you know my mom is allergic to penicillin yeah. but i'm not and i want to know why yeah and you don't have to yeah be like, Right. Um, you could be like my family. I have someone in my family who yeah. seriously allergic to. Or- no, um, <laughs> academic unhonesty <laughs> is not permitted in the IB. Uh, <laughs> is it's just stretching. I don't know. Family to me, my friends. Are yeah, family. but I mean, I I think that. Uh, just a concern in general. Yeah, I think that penicillin. I guess allergies are pretty common. So I guess if you if you don't want to commit academic dishonesty, <laughs> I'm sure you could go around and you might be able to find someone closely related to you that is allergic to penicillin. If you are interested in doing possibly the genetics of penicillin allergies as an IA topic. Or you could even just be, I feel like you could be like, well, yeah, my friend found out in the in my case my yeah. friend found out in the hospital when she was having anaphylactic shock from nuts oh my god and they tried to give her penicillin to fight yeah. it she was allergic to that and she almost died because of it oh my gosh um but they didn't know right yeah and so maybe you could kind of link it and be like well like i don't know if i'm allergic like i've never been in the hospital yeah had yeah. penicillin is it genetically linked to like what are genetical fact gen- genetical genetic factors <laughs> um 
and you know all that fun stuff yeah i feel i mean i feel like we're pretty covered for the topic but i do yeah a bit of a side do you have a okay go ahead (laughs) okay so i was reading an article okay about all these really cute things that have like come from love in science right oh oh dear um actually i was listening to a penicillin podcast oh I my listen to goodness podcasts. she you know listens this. to podcasts um, <laughs> so many it was this other thing about how like the best inventions like stem from love or whatever and <laughs> how um the person who uh created uh gloves the like uh like latex gloves? latex gloves yeah um was because uh his wife was a surgeon or something uh-huh. and so her skin was always like raw from washing her hands so many times so he made gloves so that her it would protect oh. her hands from diseases and stuff that's so cool i thought that was so cute interesting little tidbit yes and some people are allergic to like yeah <laughs> yeah that is true yeah but... is also your immune system being like yeah 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 triggers your immune system mm-hmm. interesting well, alrighty, I think that covers all we really think, like, wanted to talk about yes. for today. Well, thank you so much for taking a listen to our ramblings about chemistry and biology. Yes, you can tell we are very interested <laughs> this topic. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, we hope we helped you, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.